Uh, the, the host is named Greg, and his last name is D-A-V-I-E-S. Davies. So he says it just like Ray Davis. He says, I'm Greg Davis. But everyone else, including the other like hosts and all the guests, all say Greg Davies. Because <laughs> that's how you say that. <laughs> so apparently only people with that last name pronounce it that way, and everyone else says Davies. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you are you are of the camp that that is how that's pronounced. Davies. 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 Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, producer of the new BBC miniseries, A Man Ain't Supposed to Cry, an emotional history of male-dominated songcraft in the modern world. Sounds kind of interesting. How'd you get BBC? (laughs) I have my connections. Are you a dual citizen or something? Uh, You know, I make it happen. He has his connections, but he chooses to do an independent podcast most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, for the love, for the pure love of the game. Aw. I'm co-host Jeremy, and I am going to finally make the full transition to Lounge Singer, guys. Finally. Yeah, about time. Yeah. So I'm just putting the word out now. If we have anyone involved in organized crime out there listening or just, you know, run-of-the-mill gangsters of some sort, I'll need some financial backing for my album. You may have just opened a door that you will regret opening. That's how you have to do it, though. It's true. It's been proven over and over again. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I wish you the best of luck in that, Jeremy. I am co-host Peter Cook, and I would like to remind our listeners that a spy ain't supposed to cry. A spy? Well, the title track, to jump ahead, of the record that we're featuring today sounds to me like a missed opportunity for a James Bond theme. Oh. (laughs) Like, why spy? Just because it rhymes? No, but that's what I think the title, that's, that's also the title of a never made james bond film i see i see i got some real james bond vibes and that let's i guess let's get right into the record i'm just yeah. dying to hear it apparently <laughs> yeah i got joe williams a man ain't supposed to cry and we're gonna start off with that song the title track last song on the album side b track six A man ain't supposed to cry. Now she is gone. 
my heart is yearning Her love is cold But mine keeps burning How mine eyes could weep But I've gotta keep them dry Cause a man ain't supposed to cry The days are long The nights are madness Where there was joy Now there is sadness Torment and despair They refuse to pass me by And a man ain't supposed to cry Caught in a romance that never could be Lost in a hopeless affair Slave to her kiss, will I ever be free? I'd run away, but where? Each yesterday comes back to haunt me The love I lost will ever taught me Woman's right to tears will be hers until she'll die But a man ain't supposed to cry. Do you guys hear what I was saying about that James Bond theme vibe? Oh, I definitely hear it now. That's that's a lost James Bond theme song for sure. Yeah, I thought you were just being a goober at first, but I definitely hear it after you kind of set it up, Kenra. Forced a certain vibe on my album for the listeners. That's cool. <laughs> Well, uh, cry my, another day. The spy who yeah. cried to me. <laughs> exactly. But I, I believe License to cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could go down a whole rabbit hole with that. But I'm led to believe this predates the James Bond films, which started. Those were released in the early 1960s, to my recollection. I don't know because I'm a grown up, but this album came out in 1958. Which yeah. would have been four years before the first James Bond film. Ah. They owe my man Joe some royalties. Yeah. He created a whole thing. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> weird. Do you guys know about Joe? You heard Joe before this? I've heard I've heard Joe around a few times, singing with some big bands, crooning with the best of them. I just recently acquired a record that Joe Williams did with Count Basie. Which one? He did like 20. So. Okay. It was one of them. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I, offhand, I don't remember the title. Insightful. You're on the spot. They're all either like, I'm having the blues today with a cry. Just, they're all some variations of blues and crying and sadness and. You know how I ended up with that record was I was ordering the fast product 
album that we recently featured, the compilation that we featured with John Solomon. And I was ordering it on Discogs and I needed like another 250 to complete the seller's requirements for me. I just needed to spend like $2.50 more to make it worth their while. And that was like a $2.50 record. Yeah. <laughs> it was very cheap. Yeah. This record's very cheap as well. The cover is what drew me in initially. It's very stark and captures the mood of this album, I would say. And I found it especially stunning when I found out this album was from 1958. Yeah. The album cover even, I would expect it to be later than that. Yeah, it looks like it could be an indie album cover from like yesterday. I can't tell if it's a portrait or a photograph. It's a photograph. Okay. Just a very excellent photographer. Yeah. They had pros back then, not just people with iPhones. <laughs> going click, click, click. Get off my lawn. It is a striking album cover, though. And it's it's very simple. You know, the letters are kind of small, but everything is just well-placed. And the color scheme is great. And it's it sets the tone for the, the music within. Yeah. And the music within is a bunch of sad songs and torch songs. And you guys know what torch songs is. Should I say what that is? Tell our listeners. I know I've read the definition and seen it referenced a million times, but it's one of those definitions that just kind of like always leaves as soon as I have figured it out. I can never remember it. Yeah. It's like songs of unrequited love or... Mm. you know carrying the torch for someone that left you're like just waiting for him to come back or change their mind or something that like real yeah pathetic kind of place to be <laughs> the good stuff so you're telling me that all this time that i've been referring to burning down the house by talking heads as a torch song i've been <laughs> looking a fool maybe or people think you're really heady talking heady yeah. Oh my God. You're relentless, and I'm just trying to be sad, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Please proceed with your story of Joe. Okay, I'll tell the story of Joe. First, I did want to mention, though, real quick, one of the co-writers on A Man Ain't Supposed to Cry, Frankie Lane. Ooh, previously featured on the pod a long time ago. A long time ago. Featured, uh, like faux country western album by him yeah it had rawhide on it yeah yeah i thought that was kind of interesting so yeah throw that out there but joe williams born in cordell georgia december 12th 1918 you know who else was born on december 12th who 1915 frank sinatra nice. oh wow they're just a few years apart yeah you use apart, same day. Cordell, Georgia is kind of the middle of nowhere, but his mother took him to Chicago when he was three or four. I saw both ages listed, but yeah, from a very young age, he grew up in Chicago. I think that's still in the time frame of the Great Migration, or very close to it. You're the historian, I don't know. <laughs> That would have been like 1921, 1922. Yeah, maybe the tail end of it. A lot of African-American families relocating from the South to places like Chicago. 
Yeah. Yep. So he grew up on the south side of Chicago. Believe it or not, this singer with a great voice sang in churches growing up, started off in the gospel world. Same story we've told over and over of almost all the best singers we feature. I want one time... His family were strict atheists, <laughs> but they grew up next to a church. <laughs> Singing was forbidden. He learned in secret. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he was doing that. He also formed a gospel group, the Jubilee Boys, as a teenager and was singing around town. And he was, he met a lot of bigger name jazz people because he was working like the backstage door at the Chicago Regal Theater. So, you know, these artists coming in to play in town, he'd be talking to them, rubbing elbows. And at age 19, he began singing as a soloist. And he, you know, was doing that around town and got some attention, and got sucked into the big band world. He sang with Coleman Hawkins, Lionel Hampton, and Count Basie. So when did he make his recorded debut, do you know? So this was kind of interesting. His first recordings were from 1952, 1953, and that album is called Joe Williams Sings Every Day, but that didn't come out until after he'd put out an extremely successful debut album with Count Basie called Count Basie Swings, Joe Williams Sings. So that was, you know, his debut album that everybody heard first, but were not, in fact, his first recordings. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've seen that record around before. The Count Basie Swings, Joe Williams Sings. Yeah, that one has probably his most well-known song, Every Day I Have the Blues, and also has The Comeback and All Right, Okay, You Win, which were bigger songs for him. It seemed like they should be sequenced in a certain order with their titles. <laughs> The arc of a failed relationship, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, one other interesting thing about his first recordings that were like his second or third album, half the songs on that album were uncredited but arranged by Sun Ra. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's unexpected. Yeah. And I listened to them and they're... There wasn't anything too wild. It was like pretty straight ahead, big band. Mm -hmm. both. It has like a bluesier tinge than a lot of big band stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've even heard some early Sun Ra recordings that are a lot more straightforward than his later work. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been, yeah, like I said, 52, 53. So. Yeah. There really isn't too much opportunity to get too weird at that point for most people, even Sun Ra. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, world wasn't ready. The world was not ready yet. Joe Williams put out four albums with Count Basie, 
And then this album is kind of his stepping out into doing a solo album that doesn't have Count Basie's name on it because he he was, you know, unknown at the time he meets up with Count Basie and Count Basie was previously very well known, but it kind of hit a a low spot of you know, falling out of favor and rock and roll starting to hit around that time and people don't want his big band stuff. So he kind of helped revive Count Basie and they kind of raised each other's ships. And then this is Joe Williams striking it out solo. A Man Ain't Supposed to Cry, 1958. Yeah, that is one of those like uh, sea change moments in music history. Like previous to this, the big bands were huge and you had all these large-scale bands that could travel the country with dozens of guys playing in these huge setups because they were just making so much money and the singers were the like sideshow kind of thing like the band was the main thing and sometimes a singer would feature for a few tracks and then all of a sudden it was the singers that were huge and the big bands just couldn't afford to exist anymore aside from a small few yeah this was at a time count basie had to like scale down the size of his band also Mm-hmm. So it kind of meshes with yeah you know, what you're saying. They fell out of favor and couldn't afford to do the whole thing. I want to move us into the second song I'd like to feature. Say it isn't so. Your drug is a heartbreaker. Ooh, I warned Peter before this started. He's gonna have to make a <laughs> Weezer joke. See that that's funny that the title track, "A Man Ain't Supposed to Cry," but this is "Say It Isn't So." We couldn't have two songs with Ain't on the same album. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> like, where is he going with this? But yeah, okay. And they left it for Weezer to take up the Say It Ain't So. Yeah, that was thoughtful of Joe. Yeah. All right. Well, this, this is side B, track one, Say It Isn't So. <laughs> Say it isn't so Say it isn't so Everyone is saying you don't love me Say it isn't so Everywhere I go That you're growing tired of me Say it isn't so People say that you Found somebody new And it won't be long Before you leave me Say it isn't true Say that everything is still okay 
that's all I want to know And what they're saying Say it isn't so Somebody knew And it won't be long Before you leave me Say it isn't true Say that everything Is still okay That's all I want to know What I like a lot about Joe Williams is these songs are just profoundly melodramatic and almost over the top with their sad boyness, but his voice is not, it's not like too much. Like some lounge singers really try and like over dramatize with their voice. And I feel like he's really good at capturing like subtleties and really understated. That's the word. (laughs) And believable, I guess. Like people who are actually sad don't like put on these big giant shows. Yeah. It doesn't seem too theatrical yet. This is all, it it seems natural. It almost seems like what I would expect if people actually broke into song in real life when they got their heart broken, it might be something like this. Yeah. Yeah. It feels authentic where I think a lot of lounge jazz suffers from not feeling authentic. True. Also, he's really nailed the formula for me personally in being a jazz singer that I like because... I learned a while ago that I just don't want any jazz singer to sound happy when they're singing. Like they can be happy on their own time, but on the microphone, they need to at least pretend to be sad as fuck or I'm not going to want to listen to it. (laughs) I didn't know that about you, Sean. At least for jazz. Jazz vocals, no happiness allowed. No jazz hands? No, (laughs) not a damn jazz hand. If there's jazz hands, I'm out. Wow. So that song, Say It Isn't So, was written by Irving Berlin. Do you guys know that name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just watched Irving Berlin's White Christmas a couple days ago. Oh, okay. I, when I saw the name, it looked familiar. And then I was reading, and he wrote like every famous old song from back in the day. He wrote, you know, White Christmas, as you mentioned, and Happy Holiday. He also wrote Putting on the Ritz, Cheek to Cheek, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better, There's No Business Like Show Business, God Bless America. So he wrote tons of huge songs, and he wrote this song at a time he was having, you know, personal issues, and then he threw it in a drawer because he was in that mood, and he's like, nobody wants to hear this garbage. And one of his employees found it and then shopped it around and got uh, some people singing it. And yeah, then a lot of people have sang the song since then. 
uh, <laughs> Bing Crosby, Aretha Franklin, Billie Holiday, Dinah Washington, and our boy Joe Williams. Say it isn't so rescued from the trash. Yeah. I I just, I loved that little fact because like the song kind of like tells you that they might behave that way, I guess. So back to this record. This record, as I mentioned, came out in 1958, Joe Williams' sixth record. He went on to make 43 solo albums over his career. Hot. That doesn't include the like working with other bands. Those are just the solo records. That includes all the ones that are with Count Basie. Okay. Still a, okay. a sizable chunk. <laughs> Hot yeah. damn. Yeah, I think there's like 10 to 15 that are with Count Basie. He put out, I think I counted 12 on Roulette Records, which I alluded to a little bit with my title, but Roulette Records was started the year before in 1957 and was a front business for the Genovese crime family. The guy who ran it was a known gangster, Morris Levy, who would go on to not just fund roulette records and start it up, he was actually uh, behind the beginnings of Sugar Hill Records as well in 1974, which he was later bought out of his share from the record label. But yeah, he he started a lot of <laughs> music with his ill-gotten gains. <laughs> um, Roulette is the label that Morgana King waited out a three-year contract on because they wouldn't yeah. let her do what she wanted. <laughs> we mentioned the famously mob-owned Roulette Records in that episode, so... The story continues. Yeah, I was like, did this come up just recently? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't, for some reason, I forgot that was that label. But that's kind of interesting you say that as well, because Roulette apparently had a reputation for allowing producers and songwriters more artistic freedom than a lot of labels because they didn't give a shit. They It was a money front for them, so... I'm guessing that those artists they allowed freedom were probably men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Safe I'm bet. sure that played in. So, yeah. And Morris Levy was arrested in 1986 for extorting an FBI informant. Ah, uh, yes. The classic tale. Classic tale. I did want to mention the arrangements on this record were by Jimmy Mundy, who had previously worked with Benny Goodman, worked with Count Basie, and also Chet Baker. But I did not find any information on who the players were. This would have been in that era that they just didn't credit yeah. players a lot. Yeah, it was whoever was in the Jimmy Mundy Orchestra in 1958. Yeah. Look it up, because I didn't. <laughs> Uh, well, the only actual musician on the Discogs page is Jimmy Jones on piano, who was a notable jazz sideman, worked with a lot of big bands, especially Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald, and Sarah Vaughn. That makes sense, because the piano on this album is very good. And yeah, I also, I 
sometimes I wish there were a little less strings going on, but overall I like how sparse it is. It, yeah, it really allows for Joe to be front and center. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really distract from his voice. And the, there's something about how these old crooners could really just like swim around in these string arrangements that is part of the charm, I feel. Yeah, and whenever the strings would stop and it's mostly piano, that's when I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> How did you come across this, Jeremy? I just saw the cover and that's it was right. like... You just, yeah, just that's what drew you in. Yeah, like, yep. what is this? And then it was like right up my alley sound-wise because I dig a lot of those crooners, especially when they're singing about heartbreak instead of lovey-dovey stuff. Yeah, obviously you had brought Sammy Davis Jr. before. True. It was Sean, was it you and, and Ryan Werner guest, Ryan Werner, who did Wa Watertown, Frank Sinatra? No, yes. that was me. Well, that was, yeah. <laughs> it was Ryan Werner <laughs> that, that did that episode, but yeah, that was Jeremy. The, okay, so yeah. yeah, you really are our crooner connoisseur. Yeah, yeah I dig it. I've, uh, even like the folk artists i like i like a lot of dudes with low gravelly voices there's just something about that for me and you bought this record in philly right no i bought this from you who uh -huh. are in philly but then you shipped it to me oh interesting ah so you were just perusing dj hard bargains discogs page that's true i'm uh an oft customer as you too could be listener. I just did a free ad there. <laughs> All for you, Sean. All DJ you, Hard Sean. Bargain on Discogs. From here, Joe Williams went on to a very long and storied career. He never really broke through into mainstream success, I'd say. He was always hovering like just outside it, it feels like. And yeah, as I mentioned, he went on to do 43 solo albums. He toured all over the world for many years. I watched one of his concerts from 1982, which he would have been, I believe, in his 60s at that point. Yeah, that'd so, be right. Yeah, and he was stellar, and his voice was amazing still. And, yeah, he performed all the way into the 90s, recording albums into the 90s, and in fact performed a week before he died. He passed away when he was 80 years old. He had just played like the week before. He was playing in Vegas a lot, doing, you know, kind of regular shows in Vegas as a crooner does. Let's see how my math is. Would that be 1998 that he passed? I was 99. 90, oh, but he hadn't had his birthday yet. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and he also he uh, had to go to the hospital because he was having breathing problems during his shows, and he thought, like, the pills they were putting him on were, like, he didn't like what they were doing, so he just up and left. He walked out of the hospital and tried to walk a few miles back to his house, and that's when he ended up passing away. So he on the walk back to his house or at his house on the walk back to his house. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, going out on his own terms, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's 
that's what I thought. Like, man, he just, you know, he ran till he couldn't anymore. Yeah. I respect. Wow. Yeah. And he also was married to Jillian Hughes death for 40 years at that point. So he seems relatively low drama and I didn't, or I didn't find much about, you know, personal life drama. He seemed pretty on the level there, just working. Yeah. One of those performers who just put in work his whole life. Yeah. He yeah. even has a few television credits too, right? Oh, yeah. I should mention that. He he was in a movie called The Moonshine War in 1970. He also played Cosby's father-in-law on a few episodes of The Cosby Show. He probably got a vibe on Cosby, and that's why he peaced out. That's what I'd like to think. Yeah, here's hoping. And then he went on to also make a few appearances on Sesame Street in the 80s and early 90s. Wow. I likely saw him on Sesame Street. Probably. And he also, I should also mention, won a Grammy Award in 1984 for Best Jazz Vocal Performance. So that would have been, yeah, like we said, in his 60s. Yeah. And he also received an honorary doctorate from a little college called Berkeley in 1988. So he did get some of his flowers while he was alive, but uh, I don't know. Like his voice is better than a lot of crooners who are more famous, let's say. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. It's compared to Jeremy, I know nothing about crooners but yeah joe williams he's got it i'm gonna take us through another song here this is called i'm through with love and it is side a track four I have given you my true love But you love a new love What am I supposed to do now With you now You're through now You'll be on your merry way And there's only this to say I'm through with love I'll never fall again Said adieu to love Don't ever call again For I must have you or no one And so I'm through with love I've locked my heart I'll keep my feelings there I have stocked my heart with icy frigid air and I mean to care for no one because I'm through with love Why did you lead me 
think you could care You didn't need me for you had your share Of slaves around you to hound you and swear With deep emotion, devotion to you The thing that's interesting to me with a lot of these old crooners is, you know, a lot of them are doing some of the same material we mentioned Irving Berlin these you know old big huge pop songs and while you know these songs are really well made and have these timeless melodies they could be done really poorly by people a lot of these songs could be really cheesy and forgettable but it it really sets these crooners apart when a guy like Joe Williams can come in and just add so much weight and intensity to these songs it really it sets it apart and it shows the the level of skill that we're listening to. Yeah, that got me thinking about I think the juxtaposition of me mentioning this, but the dude must have had some heavy stuff happening in his life that is not public information cuz how how do you sing like that and not have, you know, something that puts that in your voice, I guess. I don't know how to, how to put it exactly. but Well, as uh, him being a black man in America during that time period, I'm sure he had just a, a wealth of experience to draw from. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was curious who had actually written that song and was looking at the credits and one of the writers is Fudd Livingston. <laughs> Old Fudd. F-U-D. Hmm. Not his given name. Joseph Anthony quotations Fudd Livingston. <laughs> what a terrible nickname to get stuck with. <laughs> I'd be through with love too. Yeah. Because my name was Fudd. <laughs> my name is Fudd. Well, Sean. Well, Jeremy. That brings us to you mm-hmm. and your lovely segment where you recommend similar albums to Aww. our listeners. It is a lovely segment, isn't it? Yes. Well, this uh, this deep voice crooner got me thinking, and the first two other deep voice crooners that I thought about were Lou Rawls, previously featured. You know, when the album we did was part of his kind of later Philadelphia International Records sophisticated disco sound, but he was a certified crooner, torch song singer, blues singer before that and he has an album from 1962 that he did with also previously featured artist Les McCann called Stormy Monday that I highly recommend checking out. There's some good stuff, a lot of similarities and uh, close to the same time period. Worth noting that the Lou Rawls album we did was also a Jeremy selection. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are seeing the trend. Second selection, um, I think these guys actually have a lot of similarities in their vocal styles, but Johnny Hartman, who can be Is a little uncle? hard. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> um, Johnny Hartman can be a little hard to find in the dollar bin, but there's tons of reissues of his records, and you can find some of them cheap. A good place to start if you can find it is his album from 1963, I Just Dropped By to Say Hello. Many people probably... Also familiar with the record he did with John Coltrane, the only Coltrane record with jazz vocals on it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him. I'll have to check that out. You would definitely like Johnny Hartman, then. You gotta check him out. He's the man. Ooh, Ooh, I like the sound of that. Last suggestion. 
uh, Count Basie and Billy Eckstein doing the Basie Eckstein Incorporated from 1959. Cool. Um, Billy kind of, I guess, you know, was sort of replacing Joe Williams working with Count Basie at that point. So he's a uh, very similar, another deep voiced jazz singer that you can find in the dollar bins all over the place and has some really great material. If you are Jeremy Ruggles and are into this kind of sound. <laughs> you just have to be one of those two things. You don't have to be both. Yeah. It helps to be both, but if you can pull at least <laughs> one off. Cool. 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 Well, that's all I got on Joe fellas. All right. Love it. Love that uh, dollar bin crooner sound. Keep it coming. Thank you for listening to I'd Buy That for a Dollar. Remember to check out the Patreon over at patreon.com slash I'd Buy That podcast. Plenty more bonus content. Lots of cool perks over there. Give that a look. Patreon.com slash I'd Buy That podcast. Jeremy, what did you select to send us off on today well this might shock you but this is another song about crying called well it's a song about not crying i guess i laugh to keep from crying and that is side b track five and have a dark winter everyone <laughs> i hope your christmas is great and you get everything you want yeah. Oh, gee, thanks. Thanks for that uh, genuine sentiment. <laughs> I'm glad that that's not how we're leaving people. Is it next week is our Christmas episode, isn't it? Yeah. And we're also doing a Christmas 45 episode for the Patreon. So if you don't get enough Christmas then, or you need more, yeah. hit up the Patreon. Yeah. Sean Dad will be spinning some. Christmas songs, and we'll be talking about our favorite albums that we purchased this year. So if you want to hear us casually chat more, once again, check out patreon.com slash I'd buy that podcast. I can't plug it enough today. <laughs> you want to know something naughty? What's that? None of the records I picked are bargain bin records. Not, nor are mine, I believe. I, I, yeah. So right, we're I've gonna got be... one bargain bin pick. So at least I'm holding it down. All the more reason to check out the Patreon listeners and hear us break our own rules. Not breaking our rules. We can do whatever we want outside of this <laughs> We podcast. didn't sign a contract that once we start recording this podcast, we can no longer buy expensive records. Guys, I was, I was trying to make it sound naughty. I guess you guys just want to be nice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's... I'm co-host Jeremy. <laughs> I'm co-host Peter. And I'm co-host Sean. I laugh to keep from crying. I laugh to keep from crying And it's all because of you I hide my tears and it is oh so hard to do I laugh to keep from crying
ever since you went away It seems like years And it was only yesterday Our friends will never know How much you meant to me I fooled them when I let you go Without a sigh, just a sweet goodbye 